Good morning. My name's Jen, and we're going to spend some time reading the Bible together. Today we're reading from Matthew, chapter 17. Uh, so we're reading from verses 1 to 13. If you have a church Bible, it's on page 798. If you don't, you can use Bible Gateway or any other device that you'd like to look at, or it should be behind me as well. So let's read. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The disciples asked him, Why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. But I tell you, Elijah has come all already come, and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished, in the same way the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. When the disciples understood that he was talk talking to them about John the Baptist. Good everyone. Uh, my name's Scott. I'm the pastor here at Trinity Church Paraka. Really good to be with you this morning. Um, I hope you're full up from breakfast. Wasn't it good to hear from the Purdies? I swear that wasn't a dub over. That was just the um, the, the the voice, the audio was out with the with the with the visuals. So that wasn't us just talking over the top of them. Um, really good. Keep please keep praying for the Purdies during the week. That'd be excellent. Pray for that their visas will come through. We're going to talk about Matthew 17 today. Um, but, but before we do, I want to tell you about a friend I had uh, in high school. Uh, this is the kind of friend, a good friend, we got along really well in the same kind of uh, social group at school. We'd go over to each other's place sometimes and muck around. Look, this is the kind of friend I knew well, I, the kind of friend I thought, this is, you know, we can talk about everything together. Then one day, kind of midway through high school, about year nine or year ten, I found out there was this whole other side to him. Like He had this online persona and it was very different from the friend I knew. And this really took me by surprise. If I'm honest, I felt a bit let down by my friend, as if he'd purposely hidden this side of himself away from me. We patched things up and moved along, but I can still remember that feeling of, of just being a bit like, disappointed. What, why, why do you feel like you had to hide it? Being let down by a friend, probably this is something that a lot of us have gone through and experienced, and, and it's bad enough. But imagine for a moment that you were let down that you felt let down by Jesus. Perhaps you don't have to imagine. Perhaps you have felt like this happened to you in life. But certainly, this is what the disciples are feeling like in the passage that Jen just read out for us. 
they're feeling let down by Jesus. Think about this, their story so far. Look, they had given up so much to follow him, left behind jobs and homes and friends. It's a big call to follow Jesus, but they recognize there's something different about this guy, something that's worth giving up for. And over time, it dawns on them, actually, Jesus is special. In fact, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. He's this king sent by God. He's, he's the one who's going to you know, get rid of the Romans who are ruling our land. He's going to give us back our own country. Then he's going to rule in great glory. And we're going to be there with him when he does. It's, it's all very exciting for the disciples at this point. But then we got to last week. And really the start of chapter 17 is a continuation on from what we looked at last week in chapter 16. Last week in chapter 16, we saw that Peter, he just, one, of the, one of the disciples, he just came out with it and he said to Jesus, look, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, yes, or kind of Jesus said that. Because then Jesus started saying some weird stuff. He is the Messiah, but he's going to suffer. He'll be rejected. And he's going to die. This is not what the disciples had in mind for their Messiah. And so Peter, he goes and he tries to correct Jesus. He said, no, no, that can't happen to you, Jesus. You're the Messiah. And Jesus turns around and he just unleashes on Peter, it seems like. Get behind me, Satan. You don't have God's plan in mind. I have to die. And as this sinks in over the next few days, can you imagine how the disciples feel like? They didn't sign up for this. They thought they're getting a glorious king, but it turns out they're getting someone whose life is going to be more like a common criminal's. Who wants to follow someone like that? You know, what a letdown. What a disappointment for them all. And that's where we pick things up this week. Uh, Six days have passed. Six days of that disappointment sinking deeper and deeper. And it makes you wonder at this point, you know, maybe some of the disciples, they're thinking of, turning around and just going back home, back to their old lives. Man, what's it, what good is it going to be following this guy if all he's going to do is go and die? That's no Messiah. Six days have passed and then Jesus gets, to get, to gets his inner circle to come with him. You know, of the 12, we know there's 12 disciples, but there was three of them that formed this inner circle, Peter, James, and John. Probably amongst the disciples, these guys are the key leaders. They probably have a bit more influence over the rest of the group. Jesus gets them together, and the four of them walk up a mountain. It's a high mountain. There's a, there's a long way up there. I kind of wonder what they talk about on the way. Was it tense? Did they even talk at all? Was it just a silent disappointment all the way up? But when they get to the top, there's the four of them, and they're away from everyone else. This is, this is, uh, they're alone for, for a very private moment. And that's when everything happens. Suddenly Jesus changes. Not his character, not his personality, but, but his appearance. Verse 2. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Jesus is is, visibly different here, being transformed before their eyes. And this is not like some Harry Potter magic trick. What we're seeing here is something of significance. We are seeing Jesus now in all his 
heavenly glory. And there's heavenly visitors too. Verse 3, just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Now, how they recognize that this was Moses and Elijah, I don't know, right? Because these guys have been dead for hundreds of years. But here they are. One guy who wrote the Old Testament law from God, Moses. The other guy who's the first in a great line of Old Testament prophets, Elijah. And they're both here. They've both come to talk with Jesus. It's an incredible scene. But, but there's more too. It sounds like a, um, one of those commercials for you used to get on TV. But wait, there's more. We've seen Jesus in his heavenly glory. Then comes the heavenly visitors. But finally, the heavenly voice booms out. Uh, Peter's talking about wanting to build places for them all to stay, but he doesn't get to finish because in verse 5, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. The disciples are terrified. Verse 6, they, they fall face down on the ground. And imagine being there. Wouldn't, wouldn't you do that too? I mean, this is, this is incredible. Think about the last week for these three disciples. They've been on a roller coaster, haven't they? One moment you think you've met the Messiah. The next he's telling you, I'm going to suffer and die. It's a letdown. All your hopes about Jesus are dashed. But then this, only for you to see Jesus suddenly in heavenly glory here before you. And the point is very simple. This gives, this is here, it gives the disciples confidence. Jesus is not someone who's a letdown. Jesus is great. Jesus is glorious. God's own beloved son there with them. Here is the one of all the people who have lived. Here is the one of whom God says, I'm well pleased with him. These three disciples up on the mountain that day, it's as if they got to peek behind the curtain and they see Jesus as he truly is. And he really is great and glorious. Where I grew up in New South Wales, we had this, we were at primary school, um, they did two big excursions. One in year five, you got to go to uh, Gold Coast and Brisbane. Then in year six, you got to go to Canberra and Sydney. And they were, you know, long bus trips. We're talking hours and hours, especially down to Canberra. It was an overnight trip. Long bus trips. So how do you keep a, a bunch of uh, crazed, kind of nearly prepubescent kids uh, to stop going crazy on the bus? Well, they'd put on a movie for us. Now, this was back in the days when you didn't have little screens in the seats in front of you there's one one screen up the front of the bus small uh, and you had to kind of squint to see it but anyone remember these kind of bus right yeah okay you know what i'm talking about the problem with this though is it's the teachers always got to choose the movie so you never really watched what you want to watch and i don't know how many times i had to sit through watching greece over and over again it killed my love for that movie but I reckon that's where I first saw this movie too, The Wizard of Oz. Uh, has people seen The Wizard of Oz? Yeah, yeah we know what we talk about this. If not, the, the, the story of the movie is this. The, 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 the girl, the young girl, Dorothy, there, she gets blown away from her home in Kansas by a tornado and ends up in this magical land of Oz. But she wants to go back home and she needs to find The Wizard of Oz because he can tell her how to get there. 
So she goes, she follows the yellow brick road to find him. And along the way, she meets some others, and they all need something too. So she says, why don't you come with me? We'll go ask the Wizard of Oz together. And so they join her. And, you know, lots of ups and downs. But eventually, they, they, they find the wizard, only to figure out he's a fraud. They, they look at him originally, and you see his big face on a screen. looks very impressive, very loud. But then Dorothy's little dog, Toto, comes and pulls at the screen, and they get a peek behind, and what you see is just a man who's got some good machine, some clever machinery. When they get to peek behind the curtain, the Wizard of Oz is a complete letdown. He's just a man. But on that day, on the mountaintop, with Peter and James and John, they got to peek behind the curtain and see who Jesus really is. And let me tell you, friends, he is no letdown. There they met the one who truly was great and glorious. Friends, I think this is something that we need to keep hearing today. Often you'll hear things that play down Jesus. Yeah, he's a good teacher, but that's about it. Oh, no, he's, a, he's an important person in history, but there are lots of important people in history. Yeah, Jesus was someone who lived. We can tell that, but, oh, we can never know what he said or what he did truly, can we? Like those disciples back then on the mountaintop, here as we open up the Bible, we get to peek behind the curtain and see Jesus as he truly is. We too get that reminder. No, no, no. He is great and he's glorious. And can I say, friends, it is good for us to pause at this point and and, and just think about gazing on the glory of Jesus. To have this one at the front of your mind, the one who is the Son, God's Son, the Son that God loves, the one who pleases God. Let me ask you, how often are you captured by the glory of Jesus in your life? How often do you spend uh, time just thinking about how good he is? How often do you slow down from what you're doing and just let your heart soak in the greatness of Jesus? Uh, the Puritans, guys who lived a few hundred years ago, they often get a bad name. But they did talk about a lot of good stuff. And one of their, good, one of their great ideas was, was this, this um, practice they had of meditation. And when they spoke about meditation, they didn't mean like a Zen Buddhist thing where you sit down and you just try and empty your mind of everything else. The, the idea for Puritans of meditation was you actually fill your mind with just one thing. It's the idea of focusing on one thing, and not just for you know, 10 or 15 seconds, but for a long extended period of time, and letting that uh, truth uh, seep into your mind and your heart. Now, we live in an age today where that's not the done thing. You know, we, we, we scroll, right? If something looks like it's a bit too long to read, we scroll to the next thing. But it's worth us trying to form those habits of meditation where we focus on, where we think deeply about Something like the, the, the glorious person who is our Lord Jesus. So let me uh, suggest this. Why not try it this week? Now, as you're reading your Bible, um, 
when you come to a part of the Bible that reminds you about who Jesus is and, and, and his goodness to us, when you come to a part of the Bible that reminds you of his greatness and his glory, don't just kind of make haste. Don't just move along. Don't just try and get through the passage. Instead, stop, slow down, meditate. Focus on what's being said to you here. Drink deeply from the word of God. Gaze on the glory of Jesus, friends. This will do good for our hearts. So here we are on on top of the mountain, three disciples, and they have just seen Jesus in his heavenly glory. Verse 6 tells us they are face down and terrified. It has left such an impression on them. And then they feel a tap on the shoulder. As Jesus come over to them. He tells them, get up, don't be afraid anymore. When they look up, they see everything is normal. Moses and Elijah are gone. The cloud has disappeared. They can see properly again. And it might feel, I imagine it feels kind of anticlimactic for them. Suddenly they're in this really impressive moment and the next moment they're just kind of walking back down the mountain. And on the way, Jesus gives them an instruction. Look at verse 9. He says, don't tell anyone what you've seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Yeah, notice one thing here. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about his death again, being raised from the dead. That's what is on his mind. And as they keep walking, the disciples ask a strange question. Verse 10, the disciples asked him, why then do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? And is it just me? Or does that question seem like it comes from a bit of left field? Like, well, what's going on? Why are they asking this? Perhaps it's because they've just seen Elijah and so they're thinking about him. Perhaps they're starting to think more about Jesus being the Messiah. And actually, in fact, in the Old Testament, there's one of the prophets spoke about Elijah coming back before the Messiah came. Maybe that's what's on their mind. But clearly, the thing that's obvious here is they're not sure what's going on. God in, in the Old Testament has given a great timeline, has told them what to expect will happen as the Messiah comes, and they're not sure, where are we at in this? What should we be expecting? They're trying to understand, trying to figure it out. And so Jesus clears things up. Look at verse 11. Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah comes and will restore all things. He says, you're right to expect Elijah coming. That's what the Old Testament said would happen. It's in Malachi chapter 4. But Jesus says in verse 12, it's already happened. He goes on, he says, but I tell you, Elijah has come. And what was it like when Elijah came? Elijah has come and they did not recognize him, but have done to him everything they wished. In the same way, the Son of Man is going to suffer at their hands. And the disciples understood he was talking to them about John the Baptist. John the Baptist is Elijah. Not that Elijah got reincarnated and suddenly that's that's john the baptist that's not what's happening here at all but john was the prophet like elijah he came to restore all things to get people ready for god see on god's great timeline elijah has come you can tick that off and now we're on to the next part with jesus coming the messiah is here that's what jesus is telling them but notice again what jesus points to his death he talks about what, what happened to John? John was mistreated. We read this a couple of weeks ago, if you were here. John was put in prison, then killed without any just or good reason. And Jesus says, just like John suffered, that's going to happen to me as well. 
Jesus is back on his thing he's been saying for the past six days. He is going to suffer and die. And the point is this, that Jesus is great and glorious. He is the Messiah. But he's going to suffer and die. And then later on, finally, they get down to the, the bottom of the mountain and Jesus has a, he heals a boy down there. And then when he gets the disciples together again, what does he tell them about? Verse 22, when they came together in Galilee, he said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They'll kill him. And on the third day, he'll be raised to life. You see what Jesus is going there's there's no let up in him. There's no other option Jesus is going to take. Yes, he's great and glorious, and we've seen that really clearly now, but he's also going to follow God's plan. He's going to suffer and he's going to die. My granddad, um, he used to cook bananas on the barbecue. I thought this was weird. Anyone done that, cook bananas on... No, exactly, see? My granddad used to cook bananas. I thought, who needs to cook a banana in the first place? But even if you did, why on a barbecue where it's all next to all sorts of meat and grease? And I could never bring myself to do it. No. Cooked banana on a barbecue. I could never bring myself to try it because there are two things that to me seem just not to go together. My pa would disagree with me. Oh, we had bacon and eggs this morning out there, right? Have you ever thought to yourself, who decided to put those things together? You know, let's get some cured pig's meat and chook eggs and put them together. Who, like, who, what made someone decide that was a good idea? But, but they go together, don't they, really well? Kind of like pineapple on pizza. Although I know that one's a little bit more of a... <laughs> bacon and eggs go together, right? Yeah, I've got the thumbs up there. Um, here in Matthew 17... The disciples are learning there are things that go together. They didn't think that the glorious Messiah would go together with suffering and death. But Jesus told them, but they do. Jesus is great and glorious. But he's going to suffer and die. Which takes us back to where we started. The disciples felt disappointed, let down by Jesus. He's not the Messiah they were expecting. What they, do, what they needed to do, though, was to, to change their expectations. Do you remember those words that God spoke when they were on the mountain? Actually, this is not the first time that God has spoken in, in the book of Matthew. We heard God's voice back in Matthew chapter 3. When Jesus got baptized, he came out of the water, and we heard the voice of God there too. At both times, God says the same thing. It's on the screen there. You can see both of them. At both times, God says, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Only notice there's one thing different. In Matthew 17, we have an extra line. But God says, listen to him. Listen to him. Because that's the very thing that Peter did not do. In chapter 16, Jesus says, I'm going to suffer and die. And Peter says, no, Lord, never. That shall never happen to you. See, Peter thought he knew what Jesus ought to do. Peter thought he knew what Jesus ought to be like, but he didn't listen to Jesus. So he got it wrong. Friends, this is so easy to do. So easy to have a wrong expectation of what Jesus will be like. A wrong expectation of what Jesus will do for us. 
I think, Jesus, you should, you should heal me from this sickness. Jesus, you should use my evangelism to save more people. Jesus, you, you don't need to put me through this trial. Jesus, you shouldn't let that injustice happen. Jesus, you should bless me in my work, my career, my business. Well, the pastor's one, Jesus, you should make my church grow and be successful. Look, it might be that Jesus does those things for you. But should he? Is that what he has promised you he will do? Or have I got a wrong expectation? That's the thing. The key is we need to listen to him. Jesus is unlike any other in human history. He, he, he's a king who rules a kingdom, but his kingdom isn't of this world. He's a, he's a king, but he goes to suffer and die. Do you see, this is not, this is not normal. This is not the normal pattern of this world. Jesus often will turn our expectations on their head. And so what we do, we need to keep listening to him. Drink deeply from his word. Hanging on to what he's got to say to us in the Bible. We want to let Jesus shape the expectations that we have. And this is really quite important. Because let's think about, let's play out what, what happens if we have wrong expectations of Jesus. Well, it might be nothing. But if we have an expectation, things we think that Jesus should do, and what if he doesn't come through with us? Well, that, that can be devastating. We might start thinking, well, maybe Jesus isn't all, isn't cracked up, isn't all that he's cracked up to be. Maybe he's, maybe he's just not for me, and I need to move on and leave this whole Christian thing in the rearview mirror. Now, wouldn't that be a tragedy? Wouldn't that be a tragedy to walk away from Jesus? Because we want him to do something he's never promised us to do. Jesus is great and he is glorious. That's what the passage has shown us very clearly. So we've got to listen to him. Get our expectations right about him and about ourselves. After all, we saw last week, he calls on us to live a life of self-denial. Now, friends, you know this. I'm not telling you something that's that's new and, and, and that you've never heard before. I'm confident you know this. So today, hear, hear this as a reminder, as a refresher. Jesus is great and glorious. Follow him, stick with him. Drink deeply from his word so we can hear clearly what life with Jesus is like and we can enjoy him forever. Will you pray with me? Our great God and heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is the great and glorious one. And we pray that you would give us uh, eyes that see him as he truly is. Father, please help us when we need to, to slow down and meditate and let our hearts soak in the glory of our Lord Jesus. And please help us have the right expectations about him. Father, we've seen that the disciples so often thought that they knew what Jesus should do, and he didn't. Please help us to listen to him, to hear clearly what he says, so that we can know how to live to please him, and we can have right expectations of what it's like to follow. Please equip us for this life ahead of serving and following our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.